everyone, and welcome back to Real Perspective, the podcast based on a YouTube channel, based on a podcast. As always, I'm your co-host, MJ Smith. I'm your other co-host, Corey Tyndall. I'm Michael Moray. And I'm Missy Lonsinger. The gang's all here! Woo-hoo. We're all here. Um, yeah, the gang's all here because we are going to talk about one of the biggest films of the year, uh, the second highest grossing R-rated film of all time, uh, Christopher Nolan's biopic slash mission statement about who christopher nolan thinks he is as a director mm-hmm. um <laughs> oppenheimer uh, um, yeah uh, oppenheimer came out this year uh we're kind of doing a catch-up series since we took a long break um mo- one of the most talked about films mm-hmm. of the year you know christopher nolan's like big return to blockbuster movie making blockbuster i'm gonna use in quotes it ended up being a blockbuster mm-hmm. but it's three hours of people talking yeah um and yeah, after Tenet, he kind of needed a win, and very well-received film. Uh, it's based off a book called American Prometheus, which is a sort of comprehensive biography of uh, Oppenheimer, so it kind of follows him from his early childhood up through his college days, and then obviously what he's most known for, which is the Manhattan Project, but also this sort of like political smear campaign that happened during like the McCarthy era um, after his time heading the Manhattan Project. Um because he was involved in a lot of communist organizations when he was younger. The movie kind of tackles most of that and it provides essentially like a Cliff Notes version of that because it's not a book. Um, stars Killian Murphy, uh, Emily Blunt, Matt Damon, Robert Downey Jr., Florence Pugh, Josh Hartnett, and a bunch of that guys. Um, yeah, it's a loaded cast. Yep. Our homie shows up. We'll talk about him. Uh, David Dusmalkian <laughs> yes. shows up to be a weird guy. Yeah. I love him always. Uh, yeah, uh, yep. always a good idea. He's if so you good. have the option of putting him, yep. Always, always happy to see that guy. And I never remember uh, his name. Even when we were watching it, I was yep. asking Jordan, I'm like, what's that one actor's name who I can't say? And then he knows it. I still won't say it because I don't yeah. know it. Yeah. I have no idea if I'm pronouncing his name correctly <laughs> every time I say and I say it differently every time he comes up on the podcast. Um, but yeah, he's kicking around and uh, it was, yeah, it was three hours and a lot. It's very all encompassing of uh, Oppenheimer's life and story. So yeah. uh, what, what, so Corey, we'll start with you since you've seen it the most recently. It's well, you've seen it for the first time, the most the recently. Uh, yes, you have the absolute <laughs> freshest eyes on it. Corey, what did you think about Oppenheimer? Yeah, uh, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot to unpack. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, my initial feeling was like I really liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, like what I was telling you guys all before we started podcasting, I watched it and then I just was like sitting with this feeling of like, I need to process this with other people. <laughs> There's so much in here. There's so many layers Uh yeah, just so much of, like, what is Nolan trying to say with this film? Uh, mm. So I, I'm excited to hear all of your thoughts. But overall, I liked it. Uh, just, I guess, like, high points for me. Um, the acting was stellar across yes. the board. Like, everybody showed up to this. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing, you know, like, the runtime. I know people say it. They're like, oh, it didn't feel like three hours. Like, it was three hours. Like, it felt it was three hours. But I was engaged the whole time. Yeah. Like, yep. I wasn't on my phone. And MJ, like you said, it's a lot of people, like, standing and talking, you know. But mm-hmm. I I was just, like, I was, like, riveted the whole time. Just, like, what's going to happen next? And the performances. And I, I thought the pacing was 
really well done between like you know when they would cut back to the present versus like the flashback and now we're in this time for a minute and then we come back so mm-hmm. overall i really enjoyed it <clears throat> i'd like to watch it again just to see what i would pick up on a second watch it definitely feels like a film that there's more to unpack with like subsequent mm-hmm. viewings of it and i'm really bummed i didn't get to see this in theaters um <laughs> The, the filmmaker in me, like, seeing it on an IMAX, like, it just, it just would have been awesome. But, yeah, I, I think in terms of Nolan, and we'll probably talk about him, this definitely is, like, a return to form for him. I know people have varying views of, like, where he dropped off in terms of quality, but, like, this felt like not, like, how I view Nolan films in, like, the past, like, five to six years <laughs> you know mm-hmm. this this wasn't this wasn't tenet this wasn't i can't even remember what his last couple movies are they're so like D- uh, interstellar <sighs> dunkirk yeah like like dunkirk was a little bit better than the other ones but like when i think nolan i'm just like the the just craziness that was tenet just out of control and like interstellar at certain points and stuff this mm-hmm. felt a lot more like okay he's got the right vision he's executing things in the right way i think this was the movie that he needed to mm. make <clears throat> so yeah overall i really liked it i'm excited to talk about it it's got a lot going on yeah <clears throat> uh who wants to go next i'll take it uh so yeah. i largely agree with Corey. i think it's definitely a step up from some of his more recent output and by recent I from mean, the last like, 10 years yep, I was yeah i gonna say 10 years yeah <laughs> wow. um, yeah i would say his career was going straight up up until like the dark knight which was the peak in my opinion and then everything started going slightly downhill faster and faster and faster mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. maybe a blip if you want to say dunkirk although in yeah. retrospect i'm not a huge fan of D- dunkirk and we had an episode on dunkirk and i think i liked it then but my opinion of it has actually gone downward since then. No. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, I think generally um, the the movie it does all the things that Nolan does well at mm-hmm. well, and um, it avoids some of the pratfalls uh, of his weaker output. Um, in general, you know, it, it stopped trying to be an action movie blockbuster because yeah. I'm beginning to think that Christopher Nolan isn't actually very good at action in general, and <laughs> um, you should stick to thrillers uh, and tense uh, movies more than um, movies that have actual action scenes because he has not improved his form. In fact, I would say maybe he's gotten worse on some of those aspects if Tenet is anything to go by. Yeah, uh, so <laughs> um, I, I think this, him returning to some of his strengths, which is good. Um, I would rather watch a movie where there's three hours of people talking, but it's done in an interesting way with interesting yeah. subject matter than mm-hmm. some of the high concept um, crap I think he's done the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I would also say that I think that the movie, the first two thirds of it are fantastic. And the last third, maybe like if you want to say 45 or so minutes is not as good. I think the movie loses a what? lot of time. Yeah. I was going to yeah. bring that up. I'm Holy... glad you did. We're about to yeah. have a fight. I feel the we're exact to, opposite. We're about to have a of... fight here, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy to me. Yeah. All right. Sorry. I, I did I think... not mean to interrupt you. Can finish your point because well, we once, will talk about that. Once the bomb goes off, I think the movie loses a lot of steam. Like, I think the middle third of it is pretty good. And then um, I just, I don't know, man. That's it, wild. Yeah. Well, it's just I, because I, I, I think it starts getting really cartoony and like, 
theatrical and you know uh lewis strauss kind of going like it was me all along really yeah yeah it, it was too much it was too cartoony and like theatrical at that point like i felt like it stopped mm-hmm. being kind of like adhering to reality and just becoming like okay this is a movie we need to like deliver the theme the statement all that and mm-hmm. it kind of lost me a bit you know and then like emily blunt's character is kind of like delivering you know some like rousing speech that kind of comes out of nowhere and i don't know it it, it got like too hollywood at that point for me so um wow. anyway but the first two-thirds of it especially like you know leading up to the bomb going off was was pretty good um and it's it's nice to see Rob Tanner Jr. go and act again. Um, yeah. Congratulations, <laughs> yeah. welcome back to the yeah. world of acting. Um, and you know, obviously, uh, Kelly Murphy does a fantastic job yeah. and mm-hmm. deserves yeah. you know a lot yeah. of props for that. And you yeah. know, like in general, like has a pretty good cast and they all do their part. Um, and, and so anyway, that's that's where I'm at. Oh, you know, props to Josh Hartnett for coming out of nowhere. And yeah. Being yeah. yeah, he's great in this yeah. too. Yeah. He's yeah. really good. <laughs> yeah, like I was like, oh whoa. Well, I haven't seen him in like 20 years, it feels like. Yeah. And he did pretty yeah. good. Um, so anyway, that's kind of my thoughts. You know, overall, a pretty good movie. Probably one of the best movies I saw this year, but not without its faults. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, Missy, what did you think about Oppenheimer? Um, I really like it a lot. I just rewatched it today. Um, I agree the acting was stellar. Uh, Killian Murphy wonderful uh robert downey jr i i agree i think it's been so long since he's had a chance to actually act and not just be on autopilot it's it was such a good reminder of of how talented he is of how in control he is of his instrument as an actor like he's so everything feels so um thoughtful every little like twitch of his face he's just he's so compelling to watch um so it was really great watching him as like this like salieri character um so he was wonderful. Acting was great. I really liked the stylistic choice of the um, Strauss perspective and the Oppenheimer perspective with the black and white shifts. Uh, it was like a little like at first when I was first watching it in theaters, I was like, what is happening? Um, but then as it progressed, I was like, OK, this is really kind of cool. I thought it was a, a cool narrative device. Um, I'm glad you brought up the the last third thing mike because i i don't know how i feel about it i think i'm generally favorable Mm. but it is definitely interesting that the most seemingly climactic thing of oppenheimer's career being you know the trinity test happens fairly early in a three-hour film when you would think it would probably come more towards the end and then the last Mm. third is more of the political stuff I'm still trying to, like, hopefully I can talk through it with you guys, but I'm trying to wrap my head around it because I'm, I'm thinking we're really just seeing the fallout of what he did, which, you know, yeah, you know, <laughs> it's, you know, pun intended. And stuff. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> which is, and I'm trying to think, is that more of, like, the thematic thing? Like, we're seeing the fallout of the actions of this, both literal and metaphorical, mm-hmm. as he's, you know, created something that's destroying the yeah. world. And so we're seeing the fallout in his own <clears> life. So, I don't know. I think I'm more positive towards it, but I, I think that is an interesting um, complaint because, yeah, it's because it's definitely i mean i think there's there's some validity to what you're saying michael uh mm. but yeah uh, but overall yeah just generally very favorable i really like the sound design i like a lot of the choices that he yeah. made yeah um, particularly yeah. the trinity test was mm. so powerful yes <laughs> so good yeah it was so good um, <laughs> so it's just, I mean, if you just want to watch a really well-constructed, well-acted movie, uh, definitely watch it if you haven't already, because, yeah, it's available mm-hmm. to stream now. So, mm-hmm. yep, I like it. Yes, it Go is. watch it. Uh, yeah, great movie. Um, it's, it's so good. Yeah, Robert Downey Jr., mm-hmm. 
congratulations. Yeah. Like, take the victory lap. That Oscar is yours, and it is not close as far as I'm concerned. Like, hey, not Ryan Gosling he, and Barbie. I mean, he's great in Barbie, but he's not Ryan Robert <laughs> no, Downey Jr. Not, in not this. at all. There's a moment at the end where Alden Ehrenreich, who's also great in this. Yeah, that's random. It's like, oh, hey, yeah. there you are. Yeah. yeah. In the final, se- it's the final seconds for Robert Downey Jr. is on screen. And, uh, you know, he is still so paranoid about what Oppenheimer has said to mm-hmm. Einstein about him. And he's like, Einstein in the park, park, you know, what 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 happened? What, what did he say to me in the park? And all Ehrenreich's like, has it ever occurred to you that they were talking about something more important? <laughs> and as he says more important, he opens the door and Robert Downey Jr. jumps at the, like, he just twitches. Like, it startles yes. him that the door opens. And then he just shoots daggers at Alden Ehrenreich and walks past him towards the press that are taking pictures of him after he's been denied the, the position in the, in the cabinet. Mm-hmm. And he just starts creeping this shit-eating grin across his face, still making eye contact with Alden Ehrenreich. And then turns to face the press with that grin. And I was like, that's the best performance I've ever... Like, that moment in particular is, like, incredible. Like, you could study those final seconds in school for, I would say, a whole year. Like, (laughs) it's just... It's crazy how, like you said, Missy, in control he is in this movie. He's so, so good in this Mm -hmm. movie. Um, Killian Murphy is great in this movie, but I think it is... I think Robert Downey Jr. steals the whole movie as far as I'm concerned. Like, he is so next level in this. Like, I've seen him be good, right? Like, I love Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. He's great in um, Tropic Thunder. (laughs) But, like, this is... uh, I mean, I really like him in Zodiac as well. Oh, yeah. But, wow, he's good in this movie. Um, Yeah, Killian Murphy, great. Um, The list of that guy's great. Josh Peck is randomly in this, which makes me laugh. Mm-hmm. Uh, David Grumholtz, great. I love that dude a lot. Yeah. Um, I'm glad he's in it. Like I said, our boy David Desmalkian shows up and like <laughs> is weird. And uh, yeah, so just the ensemble he put together is kind of amazing. Um, I'm already going to camp out on this last third thing. Okay, so <laughs> here's the thing. The film is set into two... Uh, Two parts, right? So there's the part that follows Oppenheimer as the main character, and then there's the part that follows Strauss uh, as the main character. The Oppenheimer part is called Fission. The Strauss part is called Fusion. And obviously those are nuclear terms. Those are two different ways to make a bomb. There's a fission bomb and a fusion bomb, right? A fission bomb, you basically break the atom apart. A fusion bomb, you put so much pressure on the atom that it, it has no choice but to collapse in on itself right Mm -hmm. i think that last hour is the explosion of fission and fusion right fission Mm -hmm. the these this kangaroo court is just drilling into oppenheimer so much right and like we get that when jason clark is like yelling at him and he's got the like weird background Mm -hmm. and like seeing Mm -hmm. the flash like that's his fission right they they have just like hammered into him to just make him defeated at that point. And then Fusion is Strauss has had so much pressure put on him by this committee and then like Rami Malek shows up, another weird choice for this movie. (laughs) Rami Malek shows up and just like puts the screws to him essentially is like, no, this is what Strauss did to Oppenheimer and that is his Fusion. He is so compressed by that that he explodes in anger at Alden Ehrenreich's character. Mm -hmm. So I view that as like those are like, do we have the actual like Fission explosion that is the 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 Alamo the Trinity test, and then we have the personal explosions that are 
you know that the kangaroo court scene and then the the uh, cabinet co- confirmation hearing mm-hmm. exploding as well and i think that is why it earns the theatricality and like arguably the melodrama of that is those are the explosions for those characters mm. and so and the editing shows that i think right because i mean it is breakneck that last yeah. hour is ex- it's a freight train i think like i it is wild to me <laughs> that you think it loses steam because if anything it picks up to me like that last hour is exhausting to me um in the best possible way like i just i really like I, i'm really having a hard time wrapping my head around that um that point that you made mike like it just i feel so the opposite that it's just like the editing and bouncing between those things and the 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 you just see these guys cracking and crumbling under in different ways mm-hmm. right and i think that's sort of the brilliance of the script that nolan wrote like i i one i think this might be nolan's best movie i'll put that out there mm-hmm. um but yeah that's my thoughts on it i guess my rebuttal to that is, is i just kind of felt like i invested all my energy into the trinity test and then i didn't have much left to go and it, and you're right it is exhausting in that last hour and i'm already exhausted by that point and it continues going uh so to me it it didn't work but it, getting back to what we were talking about before i also just felt like it just kind of reaches maximum cartoonishness to me and it's not it's not just like the you know i'm the villain all along like strauss like mm-hmm. thing it's also like his aide his aide's like oh man he's like figuring out the the ways that he's like screwed over oppenheimer and mm-hmm. it, and, and like like really this guy's like just figuring this stuff up now like he's an, he's sure. an aide like he has like this is like his first like noticing of like the fact mm-hmm. that like strauss is like unethical when clearly he like has ethics problems that he's demonstrating throughout history how does he not like there's all kinds of like little logical like leap things that it's like is this breaking down to me over the course of the movie where it's getting like a little too you know cutesy and theatrical like oh man even his aides are now turning on him and like Mm -hmm. oh and here's like you know who voted against you john f kennedy the you know, mcu like, the, yeah, yeah you know, the mcuts like, of uh JFK. Right, you know, yeah. j- just you know like get ready for the sequel jfk movie JFK. And, and i don't know yeah. like it, it gets like too cutesy for me and so that that's where it begins to, to lose me a bit mm. um and you know like obviously it, it's well edited movie in the sense of it's bouncing around a bunch of different mm-hmm. timelines but I feel like where it's actually strongest is kind of the middle section where it kind of stops bouncing around timelines, where it's just the, 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 the project and it's kind mm-hmm. of just like all linear for like good, like 30 to 40 minutes. And, and so that had the most appeal to me, um, you know, and it's expertly bouncing between stuff. I'm not saying like I was ever confused or right. ever like really lost my interest. It's just, right. I felt like the strongest point of it was when it was focused on that. Um, although I will yeah. say the actual bomb itself was really not that impressive. Um, like, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I don't know. I felt I've talked about this with other people, and it kind of like, I don't know. I feel like maybe they should have enhanced it with some CG or something. Like yeah, that. they absolutely should have. I yeah. agree. Like, they just like made a small mushroom cloud and then filmed it really close. And I was like, okay, like, yeah. I get it. It sounds yeah. cool though. Like, right, the sound right, design right. in that part is great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but like, like, if you're like trying to go and you know demonstrate the awe, like, inspiring power of this weapon that they've unleashed, and and then like, my feeling is like, I don't know, it kind of looks like a big explosion. Like, it didn't really <laughs> kind of 
sell it to me. But I agree the sound design was good, all that other stuff. No, also, that's fair. Just speaking, it was a little underwhelming looking. Yeah, like like I, I can't. You well, because every me. the marketing made such a big deal out of it, right? Is right. right. Like, he made he made a nuclear bomb explosion without a yeah, CGI, right. and it's like, right. well, okay, but I know how you could do that. You know, like yeah. I know there are other compounds that are not radioactive that'll give you a mushroom cloud. He probably just did that. <laughs> like, right. Right. Yeah. yeah. And you know, I mean, look, the, the A bomb is like you know way less powerful than an, an H bomb, and you know. Oh, right. things that we've made since then and you know yeah, that's right. kind of what our our mind is of like watching these you know text test videos of more powerful bombs and so mm-hmm. it's like we think that all bombs are like that not to say that the a-bomb right. wasn't destructive but sure. i think that like you know the, the common conception of it is probably more informed by you know watching these other tests mm-hmm. which had bigger bombs mm-hmm. and which so, are h-bombs yeah correct mm-hmm. and so when you watch yeah. this one i, I kind of felt like it was a little underwhelmed and maybe that was part of it too is that like it didn't quite sell like the or terrifying force for me and i also just kind of felt like you know what if you're gonna use cg on something maybe you could use cg on the bomb like maybe they yeah. don't go all practical um all the time especially with that that's like the most important thing to nail so i don't know i kind of felt like from that moment on the movie kind of lost me a bit um and i will say also like some of like the you know his reactions and guilt and like imagining other people you know kind of turning to ash and all that I think mm-hmm. it could have been filmed even a little bit better in places. Um, Interesting. I, I liked yeah. that moment with the rally when it was all quiet. Oh, it's yeah. so good. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, I, I like parts really well of it. Done. I like parts of it, but I mean, I feel like you could have gone like even more like full horror with it. And, and gross. Like, like, yeah, gross. gross. That's, and, that's fair. And, and hallucinatory and stuff. I, it felt like mm-hmm. it was like this halfway in between being like something that was like an insane and kind of restraining itself a little yeah, too like, much commit so, if you're gonna do it without like the one yeah. girl's face you see starting to melt off yeah it's like, yeah okay. yeah and then like, he steps on the he steps on the person yeah. right yeah I mean, or whatever like this this is not like an original thought but because my brother said it but he's like I, he kind of is like i feel like terminator 2 dealt with like a nuclear fallout better than like there's a scene where sarah connor's like imagining like a park and like everyone's like you know just yeah, gets yeah, obliterated yeah. <clears throat> yeah. and i right. I'm like that to me is like the standard of like a horrifying scene and so like right. this this kind of didn't have that same impact to me but um all right i'm gonna go off my soapbox now i'm kind of just rambling <laughs> at this point but i, I guess that, that that is like just kind of the inflection point of where the movie kind of loses me even if it is like still good you know i'm not denying right. that right yeah, I just that that last hour is like what makes it for me. So it was just very weird to hear you say that because like I guess I haven't talked to anyone about specifically that last hour. So I don't know if I ha- if what I'm saying is commonly held opinion. I just that's my favorite stuff in the movie is that last hour. Well, I because like oh you go, go ahead. no I was gonna say like Mike I'm curious just your opinion on that. Do you feel like in that last hour like I hear all the stuff you're saying like your rebuttal to MJ, but do you feel like the last hour does a good job like in servicing like landing the plane on the themes that like have been yes. presented okay mm-hmm. yeah yeah I, I think so um i just kind of maybe wish it was i don't know a little bit done more quickly i feel like you know you have the big climax of the movie basically be the test yeah and right then the movie continues on for 45 more minutes or so and i I've seen it now twice and I kind of just remember being like, Oh yeah, there's a lot more to this left. <laughs> and, and maybe it's because you're partially spent. Um, you know, and maybe there's an argument to say there's, that's kind of the point, but it just takes yeah. a, it, like the falling action is just really extended to me. And, but you know, in terms of delivering the points, yeah, it, it's good. And 
obviously you know that have like the perfect button with albert einstein and all that yeah, stuff yeah but, yeah you know like I, I, it's hard to go and fault like a lot of yeah things that like how they land it's just the the extended duration of it it's not as as impactful as i think it should be and i also just feel like once it, once again maybe a little, like a little too cliche and like on the nose in some places <laughs> um you know and you can say that in other parts where you know like the he's reading the you know bhagavad gita or whatever and yeah. he's delivering the line while having sex it's like oh, so God. dumb yeah. so <laughs> dumb yeah i hate that shit so much there's like yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah like uh. things like that where you know and even like some of the awkward like juxtaposition of some of the sex scenes like he's hallucinating yeah um, having having sex like while in the hearing and all that and well it's his wife yeah. hallucinating it but yeah, yeah it's yeah. Emily yeah. Blunt yeah, yeah sorry yeah, that's right yeah sorry yeah, yeah but Blunt's yeah it's kind it. of a weird juxtaposition you're like oh, yeah okay. it's, it's it's a little forced and I will say one other thing and now I could probably stop talking um, for the rest of the podcast um a lot of his movies uh in the last like decade or so have been um have been like addressing criticisms of his other movies or his most recent yeah. movie. Uh, so for example, um, interstellar is like, man, your movies are all cold and clinical or something like that. Right. And so then he goes and makes movies like, Hey, this guy really cares about his daughter and he cries over her. See, I can make emotional stuff, but then his character doesn't give a shit about the sun. So like, yeah. it's still, yeah. it still like yeah. doesn't kind of address the point and kind of shows that he's still kind of cold and clinical and doesn't understand human emotions. Um, you know, and then like Dunkirk is like this, this response to like, man, like your movie's getting too high concept and weird and out there and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So he's like, fine. Like, here's this movie that's like, <laughs> kind of you know like historical and stuff like that but it's like kind of still got like some con- conceit to it and um like he can't that weird compl- time dilation thing right for no reason. Yeah. Uh, yeah yeah for no reason That's and weird. like and like you know like, here like these characters have no dialogue now you know see so these movies are, this isn't so complicated but it's like no i don't care about the characters yeah <laughs> and then yeah. You're like, like tenant is like you know you have like too many like these brooding white <laughs> male protagonists so then he's like okay well here's a black brooding male protagonist yeah yeah you know, like, who also like, doesn't have a personality yeah, he's also written you know yeah and so it's like to me and it, like you know this movie is like oh, and yeah and doesn't have a name his name is protagonist <laughs> yeah oh yeah yeah, yeah I, for, I totally yeah. forgot about yeah. that yeah <laughs> um you know and, and it's like each one of his movies kind of like addresses like a criticism but then like creates his own problems and and uh, this one like is kind of a continuation of those again because it's it's once again like you know his your movies your movies don't have any sex scenes like they're so sexless and you know like like lack of chemistry and then <laughs> yeah. you have, like there's like these awkward sex scenes inserted in there that were like really don't service anything besides being like look see i'm an adult now this is our way yeah. to movie you know and it's so yeah. it's pretty childish yeah. like how he responds to criticisms it like it's, it actually kind of shows like how he doesn't get the underlying criticism behind it so this is an excellent segue into a point that I wanted to camp out on, which is I'm have been reading the book, the audiobook at least since uh, July, since before the movie came out. It's long, it's 26 hours, yeah. um, so it's long. So the book is 721 pages. So one script, I think, incredible to condense that into three hours and have something that even makes a little bit of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, it was so clear to me <laughs> as I was reading this book that. So Robert Pattinson is the one who gave him the book and 
it is so clear to me that he read this and he was like, I'm the Oppenheimer of movies. <laughs> it is so, yeah. so clear to me that he did that. Yeah. And it is so funny to me that his I am become death moment is like making a good superhero movie. <laughs> like that is, that is also the funny thing where yeah, it's yeah. like, it really feels like the regret that Oppenheimer has of making like one of the most devastating, the uh, the most devastating <laughs> weapon the world had known to that point yeah. mm-hmm. was Christopher Nolan making a Batman movie or two. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, so funny. <laughs> and like, it, it just so like reading the book, Oppenheimer as a man, because he's a scientist was extremely up his own ass. Yeah. Um, and also, so is Christopher Nolan. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so it's just really funny reading the book and hearing all this stuff about like ways in which Oppenheimer, like Oppenheimer was like kind of an egomaniac a little bit um, is the vibe I got from him. Uh, at least from the, from the book and like Nolan definitely is right. Like he's got this like weird superiority complex and which is whatever, right? Like, I don't know the man. He might be a decent human being. That's not to say that he's, like, sure. a bad person. But, like, he's clearly got an ego about him, right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, so did Oppenheimer. And so it's just funny to see, like, to see, like, you can just, as you're reading the book, picture him reading this book and being like, I'm the one who has to make this movie because I'm the one who has understood Oppenheimer the most out of anyone else <laughs> who's ever lived. Yeah. And, like, and the thing is as much as I love the script and the way it's structured and the way it gets the themes across is it is also a Christopher Nolan script. And the thing about Christopher Nolan script is that they're very, very, very funny in not intentional ways, yeah. by which I mean, characters just walking in and they're like, here's the theme. Right. And yeah. <laughs> like, he's still doing that. And, and um, it's just really funny to see something that is so like, tightly structured as Oppenheimer that is so, I think, well-paced, that is Mm -hmm. like condenses so much like information about history, right? Like the facts that he presents are incredible in the like efficiency in which he, uh, in which he presents them. But then the actual like thematic driving of the film, which is like essentially like what hath we wrought, like it's, it's an anti-war statement, right? Like it's pretty basic, um, but that's what it is. It's so obvious. And, like, Mm -hmm. it's just, it's really funny to see the script juxtaposed that way, where it's, like, on one hand, you have, like, this very, like, there's this really great moment. Um, One of the things that the movie doesn't really get into, because I don't think it needs to, is the relationship between Oppenheimer and his brother. They were not contentious, necessarily, but... Oppenheimer has a superiority complex, so he thought he was better than his brother's wife, and it was, like, a big sticking point with them. And there's, like, one scene that addresses it, but there's the scene when he first goes to that communist meeting, and he's like, this is my brother Frank, and uh, and she's like, Jack, like, hey, you need to know this by now. Like, they are well on their way to getting married, right? Like, the, these are people who've been together for a while. And so... He and in the book, it fleshes out even more that like his brother's pretty sure that he intentionally like pretended to forget his wife's name Mm. because he thought she was beneath them as a family because she was a waitress. Um, and so in that moment, like you can get that right if you've read the book, you know that's a nod to that, right? Um, and so that's great. (laughs) 
But then, yeah, having him read I Am Become Death while he's having sex with Gene yeah. Tatlock, who's, like, the woman he, like, cheated on Kitty with kind of a lot. Um, and which, like, he cheated on Kitty constantly, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but then she was, like, she was, like, essentially the reason why, like, Gene Tatlock was the key reason why he was, like, re-denied that security clearance. Or... Um, the key reason why they pointed to him and said, like, that guy's a communist because she was so, like, she was such a dyed-in-the-wool communist Mm -hmm. um, that, like, there's, like, some conspiracy theories out there that, like, she did not kill herself, that she was actually offed by the American government. um, They show that, don't they? There's, like, a quick shot of, like, black gloves. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. It's, like, yeah. From what I could tell from the small bit of research I did, it's, like, 50-50 of, like, yeah. Credence going to it or not. So, like, once again, efficiently told storytelling to, like, even address that fact, right? Uh, might be confusing if you haven't looked into the death of Jean Tatlock or know who she was. Um, but that's all really well told. But then you have, like, like a moment where it's, like, Oppenheimer says, like, it, it goes to Oppenheimer's inner inner thoughts, and it's, I am become death of destroyer worlds. And then, like, the sound of the bomb hits immediately after. And, like, on one hand, that's good editing. On the other hand, it's like, well, that's the theme, right? Like, mm. yeah. we, we, we know, you know, like, it's, it's, it's weird how, like, obvious in some ways it is and how, like, subtle in some other ways it is. And, like, as much as I love the movie and as much as I do think it might be Nolan's best, like, it does still exist in this weird Christopher Nolan-y space mm-hmm. yeah right. i there's something i want to address with that which is a criticism i have of a lot of nolan films and was not fixed at all with this one which is that i don't <laughs> think he knows how to write for women ever it's almost like he's not <laughs> yeah. met women and the only ones he has are like shrewish harpies who kill themselves apparently because that is just a constant theme like yeah and especially hearing mj what you're saying about how pivotal gene was and i don't even know that that necessarily need to have been included like all those excruciating details like i because i do mm-hmm. think it is a good script but what we were presented with was just this kind of like i, I mean in a way i want to say milk toast but it's just such a like, I'm just kind of here to be kind of, again, a harpy, and then I'm going to kill myself. I'm an overly emotional woman, and then I'm, I'm dead. Right, because she's like, no more fucking flowers or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And then That's like the most Blunt. character development we get from her. Yeah. <laughs> Blunt, but she was like I'm, a big-time psychiatrist. And, yeah. and now I'm, you know. Yeah. And it's just, like, I mean, even watching it in regards to the sex scene, as, as I was watching it with Jordan, he's like, imagine, like, as Florence Pugh, like, agreeing to show your boobs in this movie where your character is such a nothing. Like, you're yeah. not written well. You're not, like, I mean, not really contributing as much as apparently she even did. It, so, oh, yeah. I it's like, I don't yeah. know. I, I have a big critique of that. Like, I, what, I mean, what are your guys' thoughts? Am I crazy? Do you, do you have it? Has that ever struck you guys that he just doesn't really write women very well? Has that ever been a... I don't know, a thing that came up yes. with you guys. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. 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 He um, also doesn't write sex scenes very well either. No. <laughs> like, yeah, these were, these were, the sex scenes were really awkward. And it's like, you kind of could feel them, like that first one when he's like at the party talking to her, it's like, oh, I know what's going to happen next. Like, is this, mm-hmm. yeah. But Missy, yeah. to your point about that, like him not writing women well, even in this film, 
I felt like she was a really interesting character, and they just kind of, like, passed that by. Yeah. Like, they introduced her. They should, like, you know, because I know they had to establish she's really important to Oppenheimer, and, like, you know, she's, like, the catalyst for a lot of these things that would plague him later Mm -hmm. in his life. But then how they kind of, like, use her her, throughout the rest of the film, I just felt was kind of like, well... Why didn't we get more about her? It just feels yeah. like her scenes happen like so quick and we don't really learn anything more about her. And then it's just like, oh, okay. And then now she's dead. Like, right. She's, she's a needy right, bitch she, like, who then kills herself. And then Emily yeah. Blunt is just an alcoholic. And that's all I feel like. I yeah, know exactly. Yeah. Life. Horrible yeah. mother. <laughs> an alcoholic. Yeah. It's like, they yeah. don't like, they like, they barely touch on it. Like when I saw that scene, I was like, oh wow. So there's a lot going on there. She's got like some like, some anxiety stuff, maybe mm-hmm. like, you know, postpartum depression. Like, how is that going to play mm-hmm. into it? And then they just kind of don't really address it anymore. She's just an alcoholic. She's just an yeah. alcoholic. And they had to like give their kids to, you know, yes. somebody else for, for a minute. And then, yeah. And then it's just like, oh, okay. And then like, that's it. And then it's like, oh yeah. And then like, they got their kid back mm-hmm. when they moved to, you know, the anyway. So is, yeah, I, I totally agree. It's like, I wanted to see, more from those characters because I know they're really important to who he was as a person. Yeah. yeah. But then it just feels like their scenes are so they should be, I feel like they should be more impactful. Like he wants them to be impactful, but they're not as impactful as I feel like they should be because it's like, yeah. we didn't spend the time to get to like develop these characters more. You know, Emily Blunt has that one scene where it's like, she kind of unpacks like, oh, I love this other guy and he died for this cause. And mm-hmm. like, that was just kind of a waste. And they have a little bit of that, but I feel like that's the scene like that gets the deepest at like who she kind of is as a person. And then we just don't really get any more. Yeah. Right. And then it's also like, it's weirdly implied that like she's Oppenheimer's backbone, like that yeah. Oppenheimer's yeah. like, kind of spineless, but like, yeah. Like when he's in the it, whole hearing, yeah. 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 And like, cause like she is in the background just like making faces. Like that's mainly that's her character is just like, yeah, she's sitting. And it's, it's interesting that you bring that up. Right. Because like, um, there's another big time white guy director that gets this criticism leveled at him a lot, which is Martin Scorsese. Mm. I think that is an incorrect criticism of his films. Right. Like I know a lot of people had a problem with like Anna Paquin not speaking during the Irishman. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were like, oh, she was underwritten. Like Scorsese doesn't write or, or like he, he doesn't make movies where like there are good women characters. And it's like, well, no, that character is like a stand in for like every woman who suffered abuse at the hands of a man. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like that, that she's there. She doesn't say a word because she like represents like victims who feel like victims of abuse who don't feel like they can speak up or feel like they have lost their voice because they're terrified of the violent dudes in their life. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like. That is that is a fleshed out character that is like if you have any sort of media literacy, you should be able to read into that. Yeah. Whereas with someone like Nolan. Yeah, I mean, Emily Blunt just exists to get hammered and yell at Oppenheimer. Yes. Okay. Like <laughs> what? And then he has this line when like they're she's coming in for her testimony mm-hmm. where like uh 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 what's his name? Izzy is like oh, well, you know, are you sure you want her to testify? And he's like, oh, we've been through hell together. And it's like, where? Like, show yeah, me exactly. that. Like, yeah. It, their relationship feels, and I know I've only seen the film once, and you have all mm-hmm. seen it at least twice now. Their relationship mm-hmm. feels confusing to me. Because mm-hmm. at some points I'm like, 
do they really love each other? Like, has she forgiven him? Like, she has that scene where she confronts him. She's like, you can't feel bad for the effects yeah. of, like, the sin that you made happen or whatever. And I'm just right. like, okay, are we going to get more of this? And then no more. Well, but that's also, <laughs> that's also like, more of that. That has way less to do with the Gene Tatlock shit and yeah. way more to do with the, like, Nolan, I'm stating the th- one of the themes of yes. the movie. Yes, right. yeah, like, yeah. But it's barely touched. I agree, Corey. Because, yeah, I like that line. And that's such, like, a powerful thought. And, like, I'm yeah. like, oh, yeah, this is great. And then it's just kind of... It's, like, brushed off and also kind of hidden behind the fact that she's also confronting him about Jean. So it's, like, ugh, I don't know. Yeah, just, and then they're... Ugh. And then, yeah, and their relationship is just very different. Because, like, now he's in these trials and stuff. And, you know, like... I, I don't feel like I know where their relationship stands. I don't know Emily Blunt's thought process because like yeah she hallucinates and she's like oh i see him like having sex with gene or whatever Mm -hmm. but then like she's the one in all the times when they're like they cut away and they're at home in between the the sessions where she's like you have to fight back why are you just sitting there taking it like have a backbone like do something well and then she's like so then i'm like like, wait 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 i'm like are they okay now like what happened like is are they gonna talk about it and then like and then yeah she's in there like testifying and just like being okay with it so yeah so i was a little bit confused about like are they in love is it just a beneficial relationship of like i support you because i know you're making this history changing like history defining thing that's gonna happen Mm -hmm. and like yeah we're just a like that never that never gets really explored i'm like do they love each other and they forgave their way through like like you said mj it's like we've been through hell together well like show me like what's going on Yeah, because, like, well, and then she, like, gets mad at him for admitting that he went and cheated on her with Gene. Mm-hmm. But, like, Gene's a major player in the communist stuff. Right. And so it's, yeah. like, wait, like, he's, because he tells her, he's, like, I've, I didn't tell them anything you didn't already know. Yeah. And she's, like, well, yeah, but now you've told all of history. And it's, like, wait a minute. Like, how do you, how do you not understand, right? Like, that's where the, like, shrewy harpy bit comes in missy right where it's like you really don't understand that he had to admit to that because they have him on trial for being a communist Mm -hmm. and he went and cheated on you in the middle of the manhattan project with a known communist like come on lady (laughs) you know like she's too shrewd seemingly shrewd at other moments to yeah be so inept at that time it's just yeah she's kind of Mm -hmm. all over the place also, I yeah. feel bad yeah, about I mean, that you're... woman, and I was b- depicted in film as just being an alcoholic, horrible mother. Yeah. Like, I don't, I mean, God bless Mrs. Oppenheimer. I mean, I'm assuming she's dead, but yeah, I mean, she's horrible. That's sad. I'd be sad. Anyway. Yeah, I mean, it, right, well, because it, uh, it, it also feels, did you guys get Hamilton vibes from this movie? Yes. No, because when you were just saying that, I was, I was thinking of when he published his papers and, you know, yeah. I'm like, but the, yeah. t- but Hamilton established that and established why Eliza was upset and all that. And right. Was, mm-hmm. Yeah. This did not. It was just unclear. It was an unclear relationship. Eh. Yeah. Which yeah. I mean, the movie. I mean, it is pretty that, funny. Yeah, it is pretty funny that Nolan was like, "What if I made this movie about Oppenheimer slash myself and made it about, but structured it like Hamilton, like." Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, because that's another, like, Salieri-Mozart thing. Where, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, very similar. Mm-hmm. So who's yeah. Nolan Salieri? Oh. Mm. Kevin Feige? That's yeah, why he got Robert Downey Jr. playing? Yeah. 
Uh, that's a movie that needs to be made a hundred years from now. <laughs> <laughs> well, this summer it was Tom Cruise. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's kind of true. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. It. So we. Did, I think we've addressed a lot of criticisms of it, but yeah. like this movie does work, right? Like yeah. it is. Yeah. It is yeah. Well-oiled machine. Like, yes. Yeah. It, it, it is effective. It is. Yeah, I think I think that's it, right? Is it's mm-hmm. like it seems like we're like this is still my favorite movie of the year. I think. Oh yeah, and like it, it's just so like, like I said, it's just kind of a a miracle that it works at all. Mm-hmm. Given that it like I don't know, just structurally, I think it's so interesting and like it it uses the the Nolan stuff, right? Like the Nolan stuff of stating the themes in the in the in the screenplay is like weird still like he's he once again has not gotten better at that but like we talked about the dunkirk time dilation thing right (laughs) so weird it's so weird in that movie yeah and here it like feels properly like epic to me right where it like it feels like properly deployed where it's like okay when we're in the fish and stuff that's when we're in color and that's when we're with oppenheimer and so, and then what I think is super interesting is we will see stuff from the fusion portion, like from the dinner in the fission portion. Yes. And it's like, yeah. oh, cool. Like we're seeing that one scene, like where they cross over yeah. really hardcore from both sides now. Right. Yeah. And like, I think that was super smart. Like, I just think structurally, this is like the most interesting Nolan script. And like, I don't know if you guys have looked into it, but he wrote the entire movie in the first person because he thinks he's that. cinematic Oppenheimer. Yeah. Uh, oh, wow. <laughs> um, hmm. yeah. So I would like to see what that looks like. Cause I haven't read any of that, but that sounds wild to me of like having the film structured in the way it is with the black and white scenes being told from Strauss. I don't know if he wrote the Strauss stuff from Strauss's point of view, I guess. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's, I mean, the... oh, sorry, go for it, Mike. Oh, I was just going to say, I, I mean, I totally agree with you. Uh, the fact that the movie can bounce uh, along these different timelines, you know, flashbacking almost within flashbacks in various places mm-hmm. and never really lose the audience is a testament to how well it's written yeah. and also how well it's edited. Mm-hmm. You know, there's the, the decision to go and stylize certain scenes, you know, either through black and white or mm-hmm. um, through, through other methods, um, you know, it keeps the audience in the loop. Um, so it, it's very masterfully done because that's something that's very easy to go and screw up um, yeah. to, to lose an audience. And we're like, wait, where are we? You know, um, mm-hmm. and maintain continuity throughout. Obviously, you know, they, they add a little bit of salt and pepper to Oppenheimer's hair or mm-hmm. things like, you know, that too, like, to give them like visually distinct looks at mm-hmm. very, maybe various points in their lives. Um, so keeping track of, of all of that and, you know, it, withholding information in some parts and then revealing it at others and you know obviously having a lot of intrigue about what did albert einstein and oppenheimer discuss and then you Mm -hmm. kind of find out at the end what they did and and like just long enough like you know ago in the movie that you kind of forgot about it but then at the end you're like oh yeah they had that talk or you know whatever and things like that like it's very masterfully done like the deployment of information because when you're trying to go and create some sort of puzzle box, which is the movie still kind of is like a puzzle box, even though it's a you know biography mm-hmm. um, it, to, to do that and to deliver information like that in a way where it's like the audience gets this information at the right time, or maybe this information this hinted information for a later time uh, takes a lot of work. And so you know, I give it full credit for that. I think it definitely deserves some sort of editing Oscar uh, for that reason. Mm-hmm. 
No, I, I yeah. totally agree. I, I was just going to add as far as um, the two perspective things. Uh, in, in MJ, I think you brought up how there are certain scenes that they show from both rather than just mm-hmm. Strauss's or Oppenheimer's. Um, and this is where, Corey, I'm excited for you to do a rewatch. And, and I mean, honestly, for anybody to rewatch it, I think this is where it really benefits is the minute differences uh, in what's happening when you see it from Oppenheimer's yeah. versus Strauss's. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. and this time I noticed, like, um, the hearing where Oppenheimer, uh, like, kind of makes fun of Strauss. Like, the big thing that made him feel so insulted. Oh, yeah, uh, the isotopes thing where he's like, yes. yeah, you know, it, it's going to be it's gonna be more useful in making a bomb than a sandwich or whatever. That right, thing. which which was yeah. a big thing. Because, like, when I first saw it, because um, I, I didn't know about that. I didn't know a lot about it, except for, you know, the basics <clears throat> that most know about Oppenheimer. Was, I, I started to get, like, social network vibes where I'm like, are we going to pretend, like, Strauss's whole, like, motivation was that he got made fun of once, like, <clears throat> kind of like in social network how <laughs> supposedly facebook was created because he was slighted by his ex-girlfriend <clears throat> excuse me except for when like when i looked it up like that did happen and that was a huge deal for yeah. for strauss um so anyway when it's from his perspective he has that sociopathic shit-eating grin on his face when oppenheimer's making fun of him like i'm keeping composure i'm pretending like i'm in on the joke when you see it from oppenheimer's his face is fucking stony it's like when he looks back yeah. at Robert Downey Jr., which I was like, oh, I didn't notice that the first time. And it's now mm-hmm. like I want to watch it again and just watch the scenes that are replicates of each other. Because yeah. that's so that's so smart, like you guys have been saying. Like, the editing of it is so well done and just so thoughtful. So, oh, very good. So, yeah, that was my only two cents on that. Yeah, I mean, it. It's 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 also wild because it also conveys a lot of, like, theoretical physics to the audience in a yeah. way that's like mm-hmm. kind of not that confusing like yeah obviously i'm yeah. not a theoretical physicist yeah yeah i don't really get the ins and outs of it and i never will but like i understood enough of the science in mm-hmm. there to know what they were talking about like even the fusion and fission thing like it does a great job of being like this is what fusion is this is what fission is yeah mm-hmm. now put that now apply that to the two parts of the movie named fission and fusion please yeah. like it it does a great job of that and just even like shortcuts of like the visual representation of like okay if we're gonna use uranium we need the fishbowl and we need 33 pounds of it yeah. if we're gonna use if we're gonna use plutonium, plutonium we need the, yeah. the 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 snifter and we need 10 pounds of it and then just representing that with marbles right and mm-hmm. then like you can just check in with how full the fishbowl and the snifter are yeah and now right. you have an idea of like how time is progressing of mm-hmm. like where yeah. we are in the timeline and also like how progress on the bomb is going, whether it's like, has it cha- has the level of that changed at all? Okay, that means they made a good amount of project, process, uh, pro- oh my God, progress. Um, yeah. Or is it pre- saying stagnant? Then we need to like call in Niels Bohr for a favor at right. the, you know, at Christmas or whatever. Um, so like, to take that and to still, like, I don't want to discredit Nolan as like a no. script writer because yeah. like, I do think he's really smart, but it's just very funny to me that he identifies so heavily with this man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, you raise a good point though, about using visual metaphor to convey passage of time or, or goals or, you know, things like that to mm-hmm. kind of plant or root the audience in somewhere firm. And mm-hmm. I think, I think the movie does, a pretty good job of that you know in general nolan has in his best moments has been good about managing time and mm. bouncing mm-hmm. between different timelines and stuff yeah. like that um i think he lost track of that in 
Tenet and then in some parts of like The Dark Knight Rises, for example, mm-hmm. where uh, the passage of time was not conveyed very well at no. all. Yeah. Um, like, when is this? But, you know, <laughs> this, this is him like regaining control of, of that ability. Um, and, you know, Corey, you and I, you know, we both we edit movies and make yeah. movies and stuff like that. And, you know, for example, when we went and made like um, our, our Western um, yeah. tenants, you know, you were getting feedback about like the flashbacks and like, Oh, wh- where do those like, you know, are, are those like, is it all linear or like, what's that in relation to the, the main plot and things like that. Right. So we had to yeah. add like, like the visual filter to like yep. the flashback second yeah. as like a response mm-hmm. to like those concerns, mm-hmm. you know, and, it's the same thing with me. Like I get feedback on like, you know, wait, when is this blah, blah, you know? And, mm-hmm. and so like audiences are very like fickle at understanding like time, <laughs> unless like you're very good at, uh, at yeah. like, signposting it in some way. And, um, you know, I think, I think, uh, it's just a sign that he was in like full mastery of his abilities in this one. Um, and, and also to go and comment also about the, the writing stuff. Yes, some of the dialogue was very on the nose and mm-hmm. stuff like that in various places, but there weren't there wasn't there weren't like a ton of awkward turns of phrase. I feel like in this one, in comparison to some of his movies, where it was like, oh man, like that is you either die a hero enough. or live long enough to see yourself right. become the villain. Yeah, yeah, like, like it was <laughs> so like clunky. I could maybe like yeah, I could see like someone actually conceivably say some of the stuff yeah. in this, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's um, or mm-hmm. you're like that scene in Interstellar where like Anne Hathaway's talking about like, what if like love is like the, the fifth dimension <laughs> that like connects people to like blah, 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 blah. And I was like, oh my God, like no one's talking <laughs> like this, you know? Um, yeah. He doesn't know how you know, women talk. He's not interacted with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that that is still like a main criticism uh, of him throughout the ages. I mean, I, it's not just the shrew, but it's also like the, the like, seductress like yeah those yeah were two types of women in his mind you know um <laughs> yeah so. I, well yeah well, but He's the other no thing others. too is like and i don't want to be crass it feels like the man has never had sex in his life <laughs> like, it's just like what like it just feels like a completely foreign concept to him he like and i don't mean just this yeah <laughs> yeah and i don't just mean in this movie but yeah like you said like even in like Dark Knight Rises when Anne Hathaway is supposed to be like super sexy Catwoman and it's like, well, the only thing going for her in that department is that she looks like Anne Hathaway. Yeah. Like, right. Because the dialogue <laughs> you've written for her is atrocious. It's so yeah, yeah. Not, not like sultry or seductive no. at all. Yeah. yeah also, but... you know, there, there's, an, there's an awkward sex scene in that one too where it's, uh, you know, Marion Cotillard goes and like... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Like right after they were done talking about his dead girlfriend. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, he lost all his money. And they're like, well, we're just going to. He lost I mean... all his money because Bane stole it in the middle of the day. And the, like the entire yeah. government was like, ah, oh, that sucks, man. It's like, uh... <laughs> repossessing everything now. <laughs> Never anyway. mind the fact that you probably paid cash for it. Yeah. Uh... yeah. Right. Well, also, uh, I mean, like, I guess that one was like Talia was kind of manipulating Bruce and like, she didn't really love him. So it's okay. Mm-hmm. If they have like this weird thing that happens, but it is still like so awkwardly. Yeah. 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 Um, that script just sucks. That is. Yeah. That's, that, that, that is, is probably his worst script. Honestly. That or interstellar. Yeah. Yeah. But this was um, a good script. Oh, I don't know. Uh, Tenet, Tenet has a bad script too. Yeah. yeah Tenet's pretty, I mean, any movie that like <laughs> refuses to name its main character, unless it's like some, super stylized i don't know like john wick-esque kind of movie like mm-hmm. what yeah. the hell are you doing yeah <laughs> like, yeah 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 that's fair <laughs> well and like yeah 
Um, but yes, Missy, you bring up a good point. This movie has a great script. And like, I do think that is a way that's like a way in which he's addressed criticism in a positive way. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, this is a long movie. There is a lot going on. It does take up a large span of time, but you know Mm -hmm. what? The script is efficient and the budget was a hundred million dollars. Right. Right. he reined himself in for the first time in a decade, you know, like, and yeah, it's just weird that like reining yourself in for Christopher Nolan still means three hours and like a practical atomic bomb explosion. But, (laughs) but, um, that is right. Like it is still just people talking and like, that's what he needed to make because honestly, some of his best movies are that right. Like, yeah. Like the memento is just people talking. Yeah. Right. And it's got a weird conceit to it. Um, the prestige has like a little bit of the supernatural element with the cloning, but it's mainly just people talking. People talking. Yeah. And, wow. yeah. And like, that's my favorite, my second favorite Nolan movie. And it's kind yeah. of not that close, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and like, so I don't know if you guys revisited any previous Nolan works before Oppenheimer, but I went back and rewatched the dark Knight and like still great. Mm-hmm. Like I still, yep. still my favorite Batman movie. Like yep. it holds up a lot, mm-hmm. but like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, there's parts of it that are a lot clunkier than I originally thought. Yeah. Right. Like, mm-hmm. Um, but like, I think it's so well made and like the script is very like proper crime epic mm-hmm. that yeah. like, it doesn't matter. Like those things get glossed over. And I think that's the same thing with Oppenheimer is like, yes. yeah, there's a lot of like, there are flaws in the script, but like yeah. on the whole, mm-hmm. like the movie's extremely well written and it's incredibly performed and like yeah. top to bottom. Right. Like the, the, like I said at the beginning, the ensemble he's assembled here is yes. just like out of control because yeah. every like couple scenes someone shows up and you're like they're in this and then they only do one thing and then they're gone but they do it great yeah, yeah they all mm-hmm. bring their a game that's the thing mm-hmm. it's yeah. like you're like oh you're in this and it's like wow you're really good for like the five yeah. minutes you're on screen yeah, yeah. even casey affleck who i kind of don't yes. like usually yes. is great in this <laughs> no he yeah. was great i mean jack quaid for like the few minutes that he's in it even yeah. Robbie malik yeah. before he has his bit at the end i i mean when i first saw it, i was like is he literally only in this to like get hit with papers and forms and have like something <laughs> <to> yeah <him?" laughs> i was like i mean he's doing it well <laughs> i like it better than freaking bohemian rhapsody so well uh, yeah, yeah yeah of course um but no, so great. that brings me to this question how long did it take you to realize gary oldman was in this movie Oh, within seconds. After I saw it. Yeah. His voice. uh, It's. I mean, even before they showed uh, Truman, I was like, "Oh, it's Gary Oldman." I was like, "He's playing another wartime uh, leader." (laughs) Did you not know it was him? What did you say? I didn't know it was him until after I read it afterwards. Oh. After I was done seeing the movie. Yeah, there was a lot of people. I kind of recognized the voice, but I just didn't put it together. Yeah, that's how I was. Like, I got done with the film, and I pulled up IMDb, and it's like, okay, I got him, I got him. Oh, yeah, that. okay, that's who that was. Mm-hmm. Um, Gary Oldman, for me, was when he offered the handkerchief. I was like, oh, oh that's Gary Oldman. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, no, I yeah, knew before and... they showed him, because I was like, ooh, who are they going to get to play Truman? And then I heard his voice speaking. I was like, oh, Gary Oldman, that's cool. But I don't yeah, know, Maybe his voice uh... is just very distinct in my ears. That's weird, because I don't think he's ever used his normal voice in a movie, ever. Um, no, but there's, like, an underlying quality, like, to it, that I, there like, is. regardless yeah. of the accent that he's using. So, mine was, it was, he's got very thin lips, <laughs> and um, that was the cue for me, where I was like, I was like, this guy looks super familiar the whole scene, mm. and then he offers him the handkerchief, and it lingers on a close-up of him doing it. 
And I was like, thin lips, watery eyes. Oh my God, it's Gary Oldman. <laughs> and, and yeah, the person I saw it with, they didn't know either until I, I yeah, I told her after. I was like, do you, get, do you recognize that Gary Oldman was Truman? She was like, no. Um, and then like, there are several people that I was like, how long did it take you to recognize Gary Oldman? And they were like, Gary Oldman was in that movie? <laughs> um, so I like got to inform them. But uh, that scene also is like, I think that is... I'll give you that one, Mike. I really liked that scene the first time I saw it, and I did not mm. like it as much the second time. It's kind of clunky, yeah. I think. It's yeah. a little, little heavy-handed. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. I dropped the bomb. Yeah. 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 I, I yeah. agree. It's yeah, on second much. viewing, I was like, mm. like, and I love yeah. Gary Oldman, but... <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Like the funny thing is, I kind of like that more than some other stuff. But <laughs> oh, I, no. but, but but my point is it's still the same. Yeah. It's a little too yeah. like on the nose, too pat. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, it's a bit much. But so um, it, go, go ahead. ahead. I was just gonna say that in general, like the amount of characters that's juggling, and the fact that I'm never like, wait, who is that guy again? Like throughout mm-hmm. is once again mm-hmm. another testament to the fact yeah. that the movie mm-hmm. juggles and handles its its cast very well. Now whether or not. The women are given a lot to do in it, it's not a matter, right. but... Yeah. So, no, that is a good point, I, yeah. though, because, oh. like, there are so many characters, but, like, even when people are off screen, they're like, Lawrence, Teller, whoever. I'm like, I knew exactly who they were talking about, yeah, because they right, made such right. a yeah. memorable, like, impact when they were on screen. Right, yeah. yeah, and, like, they all are pretty distinct-looking dudes, right? Like, mm-hmm. David Crumholtz does not look like Benny Safdie, and Benny Safdie does not look like Josh Hartnett, and Josh Hartnett does not look like Josh Peck, you know? Like, yeah. yeah. You know, and even like within the military guys too, right? Like Matt Damon does not look like Casey Affleck. Casey Affleck does not look like Dennis uh, Dane DeHaan, right? Like yeah. Dane DeHaan does yeah. not look like. I mean, Dane DeHaan kind of does look like we have David Desmacklian at home, but um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's neither here nor there, I guess. Uh, but yeah, so like every like they give you like this great idea, and then they also ground them in like they give them one thing about their personality, right? So mm-hmm. like Josh Hartnett is conservative, whereas Oppenheimer is liberal. Right. And right. so like they juxtapose them against Oppenheimer in really interesting ways. Right. Like um, Isidore Robbie. Right. David Krumholtz is very into his Jewishness. Oppenheimer tries to downplay it a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so like you have these things where like when they show up, you're like, oh, yeah, this is the guy who's liberal who's conservative, whereas Oppenheimer is liberal. This is the guy who's more connected to his Jewish heritage than Oppenheimer. This is the guy mm-hmm. who's a lot taller and has a weirder accent than Oppenheimer. <laughs> like right. even yeah. stuff yeah. like that. You're like you're just like, oh, OK, yeah, I know who these people are. And like. They also do a great job of, like, making, um, is it Elliot that's, uh, the H-bomb guy? Benny Safdie? Or uh, Edward, Teller, Teller, Teller. Teller, yeah. yeah. And, like, tell, like, they do a great job of him being, like, no, he's the H-bomb guy. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. every time he, like, he, it's in a lot of early scenes with him so that by the time, like, he shows up later, you're like, oh, H-bomb guy, got it, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, Which is a good but point. it never like, feels forced. Yeah, well, and there's, like, it's enough of a tag, like you're saying, to remember, like, when you're getting influx with so many characters who they're talking mm-hmm. about, but when they're actually on screen, it never feels reductive to the point that it's like, remember mm-hmm. me? I'm the Jewish scientist. It's like, yeah. I, yeah. I can remember that slightly in the back of my mind. Okay, that's that one guy. But it's like, when they're there, they're, they have agency. They have you know, depth to who they are while mm-hmm. also having like that little characteristic that gives them enough of a tag. Yes. Yeah. 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 And it's just so hard to think of like a lot of movies where people are constantly being referenced by name and they haven't shown up in like maybe 20, 30, mm-hmm. an hour mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and you still kind of like, Oh yeah, I, I know yeah. exactly who they're talking about still. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really hard to do. Um, so I, I, agree. I th- and like, you know, a lot of movies they have to go and like say someone's name like a thousand times to go and drum it in. But 
like they somehow did it in like one or two appearances you mm-hmm. like okay that's the guy you know and, mm-hmm. and um i just want to credit them for keeping track of all of that it's once again just like another sign that they knew what they were doing they're in full control of like their abilities with this one mm-hmm. yeah i was gonna yeah. i was gonna mention like you know we're talking about all the positive things and we we're kind of like nitpicking at the beginning in terms of you know like we we've even said it recently it's like oh yeah like sometimes some lines with like the themes and stuff can feel a little bit heavy-handed you know it's like oh okay Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like you're telling us the theme all of that you know i still think like this film does a really good job of like it it works in the themes that it presents and like by the time you get done with it you're like oh this is still really effective like yes there's points where it's like i feel like things were said and it was just like okay like that's just like too on the nose that's like mm-hmm. yeah i would i would take that out of there you know like like the truman scene what you know like whatever like some mm-hmm. of that dialogue mm-hmm. but i think still the film can be like highly commended of like in how it presents these couple themes and it weaves them throughout this whole runtime in a way that i think is still like mostly effective so by the time you get to the end you're like dang mm-hmm. i have a lot to mm-hmm. think about and you know, like whether it's like you're thinking about like Oppenheimer or Strauss or like just the idea of, you know, the whole like Prometheus thing that they weave in there. And like, Mm -hmm. like all of that stuff, I think was really, really well done thematically, like to have all those like different threads moving and to kind of bring them to an end. Yeah. Like, could it have been shorter? Like you were saying, Mike, that last like third, like the falling action. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like it could have been stuff a little bit heavy handed sometimes. Uh, Yeah. A little bit, but I just wanted to I just wanted to credit the film with that because I felt it was really effective. Like I yeah. told you all, like when I got done watching the film, I was like, "Damn, I need to I need to have a moment to like process what did I just watch <laughs> in a yeah. good way, not like yeah. you know, like what just happened." No, for sure. Um, and I like I agree. I mean, I think we've all said it. Like, yeah, the the themes can be a little heavy handed in their delivery, but I'm so much more forgiving when the film is good. Um, like and it was like so I didn't care that it it felt a little like uh, dramatic because I mean the movie's dramatic and it's a huge theme that we're talking about like it which is another thing that I'm I I think it handled so well is just the moral ambiguity of somebody like Oppenheimer yeah where it could be so easy to just be like uh, paint him either as a villain or a hero but I think they did it really well it's showing kind of like I mean the moral qualms that he felt after Without yeah, it being like his too... internal conflict. Yeah. Yeah. Without it being too like, I don't know. I think there's a way that it could have been done really poorly, and I don't think he did that. I think I think he handled it really well because that is such a serious thing that he did. Yeah. Um, and just, I mean, this more than most things uh, involving World War Two, or I guess we don't get a lot talking specifically about uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki, but like I felt this more and just the pain yeah. and the hurt like... and the the just <sighs> extensiveness of what he did. Like, even that whole, yeah, like, just so you said that, it's, like, the, that one scene where they're having the conversation of, like, what cities to drop the yes. bomb on. Yes, oh, my god. Oh I was gosh. just, like, I was, like, oh, I honeymooned I there. We can't do and, that one. Oh, and, brutal. Yeah, and I, was just, I was just, like, oh, man. And, yeah, and, again, I just, or- I just have to commend the film because, like you're saying, it doesn't villainize him, but it doesn't, like, make him a hero. It walks this really fine line, and it does this over the course of like this three hour runtime mm-hmm. and it doesn't like lose the thread of like, this is what the main theme is because like in a film this long, 
you know, we've all watched movies where it's like the film was too long and like they don't know what their theme is. Or it's yeah. like they tried to present a couple themes that maybe they're going to weave together or whatever and it just fell apart. Like that never felt like the case with this film. It felt yeah. like everything that would happen was in service to this, you know, like you could say like there's these couple main themes and then there's like the whole central overarching theme. It always felt like things were in service towards it. Like every right. scene interactions different Mm -hmm. things whether or not like you know you can nitpick them it felt like okay he knows what he wants to say Mm -hmm. and i really appreciated that yeah yeah and it didn't fall into that trap of i haven't seen the napoleon movie but my understanding is the 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 most recent napoleon movie uh by Mm -hmm. scott is that yeah falls into making him almost like a parody or something like a caricature yeah my buddy told me last night he read that it was very funny and i was like that's weird yeah yeah and and you know i don't know exactly where that come came from i mean maybe it's kind of like based off this like anti-great man like theory of history kind of thing that's like pervading a lot of like historical uh Mm -hmm. analysis of things these days but um you know obviously there's a lot of um compacting of events and yeah. people yeah. and actions in this but yes there, and, and, and there are some cartoonish moments but it, i don't feel like in general the characters um, especially oppenheimer were treated like cartoons themselves i agree um and, you know i feel like it handled things respectfully and yeah uh, that, that's something that's very difficult to do when you're dealing with such like a large time frame and something is like there's a temptation to oversimplify like a lot of things and mm-hmm. you know, i will go in i'll say i have a problem with like some of the like you know mustache twirliness of some parts toward the end but um you know i think uh overall dealing with this kind of subject matter it you know still is handling it respectfully unlike from what i hear about napoleon and maybe once i go and watch the four-hour version of it yeah. <laughs> right I, I can report on the comparison a little bit better yeah but that's i'm holding off for the four-hour version as well yeah. um i think respectful yeah. is a really oh good for MJ. go ahead Oh, well, I was going to say, Mike, you said they were, like, (laughs) respectful, like, they handle it respectfully, which I think is such a good word for it, because I feel like people, uh, audiences sometimes want to clamor to have, like, show me who the good guy is and who the bad guy is, and in history, obviously, Mm -hmm. I mean, we're in 2023, there's a lot of, a lot of history that has happened before us, I mean, we kind of are taught it that way in school also, where it's like, this was bad guy, this was good guy, World War II, these were bad guys, these were good guys. And it's yeah. and it like humanity is complex. Like we are all creatures that have capacity for good and evil. Even the most evil people we can think of had some capacity for good and vice versa. And with something like like Oppenheimer creating that bomb, it's like it really treated it respectfully where it's like this was a very complex issue and he was a very complex man. And yeah, yeah it respectful absolutely in the way that they handled that. Yeah, and mm-hmm. you feel those things, Missy. Like you feel where it's like the the first like two thirds of the film leading up to like when they test it, you know, he's so excited. Like Mm -hmm. you see the love of science in him and like making this Mm -hmm. and doing that. And then you see like, even like in that scene where it's like they, they pack up the bombs and they drive them away out of the city. And like, you just see the look on his face when he's talking to that other guy, uh, when he's talking to Matt Damon's character and they're just like, kind of like, well, we, we delivered them. It's like, it's up to them what they're going to do. You can Mm -hmm. see it's like the dilemma he has of like, you know, like I had this love of science and it kind of blinded me to like, I knew there was like this moral quandary that I'm creating, but I was so enamored with like being on the forefront of doing this Mm -hmm. thing and this great thing. And it's awesome. And now it's like, I have to reckon with like what I did. Like he always knew like there would be this thing. And it's like, you know, he had that conversation with Einstein, but like, 
then having to just like, okay, it's here now. Mm-hmm. Like, what have I right. done? Well, yeah. and even Robbie, like Isidore Robbie is like, he's in, reluctant to join them at Los Alamos, right? Yeah, yeah. And he's like, I don't want the culmination of three centuries of, you know, science to be a weapon of mass destruction. And it's like, yeah, yeah I get that. Like, I would yeah, feel exactly the yeah. same way. Like, that seems shitty. <laughs> you know, like, that sucks. Yeah. And like, it is interesting to like, you know, for better or worse, however you feel about Oppenheimer as a man, he is an important figure in history. Right. And so, like, I really like that this movie exists because mm-hmm. it is got to be the best portrayal we're ever going to get of the Manhattan Project, I think. Yes. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, it is an important story to tell no matter how you feel about the bomb or the, the use of it because, like, it did change the world, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. We, like, we do live in a world where we could just start nuking each other tomorrow. Like that right. is a reality we have to face. And like, I, I don't really think I think about that as much as I probably right. should. Right. Like, in this and movie. Like, I, like, yeah. And like, you know, and I don't mean a, of a way of like, you need to be like acting like the sky <laughs> is going to fall any second now, but also like that's out. That's a thing that can happen. Yeah. And like, we just, we ne- like, you know, because we didn't grow up in the atomic age, we just mm-hmm. accept that as part of our reality. And it's like, oh, no, that's actually pretty weird, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But the what? movie did such a respectful job, like you mentioned earlier, of it's like, yeah, okay, we live in this world and, like, Oppenheimer did this. But it's like also, you know, you get that contrast, like they talk in the movie. It's like, well, if we don't do it, like, Germany's going to do it. And, like, just seeing, like, what they're doing in the state of, like... We don't like so you felt very much like the respect for like it didn't just demonize Oppenheimer. It was kind of yeah. like, OK, like I, I can see where you're coming from. It's like if we don't do it, someone else will do it who has horrible intentions. And so then it's like but then, you know, but then you have it's like the push and pull. And like I felt like it did that really well where it's yeah. like he wants to do the right thing. He loves this. He loves science. Like. He wants to do the right thing. He wants to help people. But then it's like, yeah, it's like kind of like you open Pandora's box. Like you can't control it anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Like you can well, see the it... hubris, like you were saying, of like him wanting to be kind of, you know, at the forefront of the scientific developments yeah. that were happening. Mm-hmm. But you could also, I mean, they, they absolutely touched on the fact that he was a Jewish man who was very aware that it is his people that were being annihilated by Germany. So it's yeah. like, mm-hmm. it, yep. that kind of mix of emotions of motivations of why he was doing it rather than him just being a mustache twirling, like, let me destroy Japan and then also ruin the world with this new weapon. Yeah. Right. Well, and they also do that with his political leanings as well. Right. Like, mm-hmm they portray him as like I, I do kind of have a problem with that because like he was a communist like he yeah. he, 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 yeah. he was it's a communist not, and it's, it's so, not like it's not like it's not like exactly a witch hunt when it's like true <laughs> right well and like no. the thing is like he the book so what i will say to nolan's credit the book also plays that same tone so he's playing it exactly the way the book does yeah um but, but like the book also like reads quotes from people who knew him that are like, I don't know if he was a communist. And it was like, well, no, he was a communist. Like <laughs> you just told me all this communist stuff he did. <laughs> and like, um, which like, you know, it, whatever, <laughs> I guess we could do hung up on that. But like, it was very <laughs> weird to me because the book is like, Oh yeah. And he was involved with this communist organization and he donated to this cause through communist channels. And then his brother was a communist. All the women he boned were communists. Like, mm-hmm. And, like, it was just, like, I'm pretty sure he was a communist. And then you read a quote from his brother who's like, I don't know. It's hard to tell. It's like, what, <laughs> was, was it, though? Like, was it really? 
it was it's very weird in the book it's still very weird in the movie but what i do appreciate is that like I do think that it shows that, like, you, and yeah, I do also believe the book and the movie when it says, like, he did it one at some point get disillusioned with the party and, like, yeah, yeah. essentially give it up, right? But, like, as a young man, he was a communist. And, like, I do think that it does respectfully, like, show that, like, one, he evolved beyond that ideology and, like, was whatever, right? But it also shows that like well just because he was a communist and like doesn't mean he wasn't loyal to the country because like yes the yeah communism yeah. he was a part of like necessary like then they talk about it in the emily blunt interrogation of like there's a in her brain there was a difference between soviet communism and like the communist right. party in america right yeah whereas yeah. like it, she was like i thought that we were going to be more concerned with like things here and then we just started getting involved in the war like the spanish civil war or mm -hmm. whatever and like I, that's not what I wanted out of the party, so I left because I thought they were, like, too concerned with foreign things. I wanted they, them to be concerned with domestic ideas. And, like, it, and then with Oppenheimer, it's like, well, okay, yeah. And he was also very forthcoming where, like, everyone he talked to in po politics, he was like, hey, by the way, like, I used to do this and associate yeah. with these types of people. Mm -hmm. And, like, even, like, Graves and stuff, who was, like, you know, very, you know, very much not a communist was like i have no reason to believe he was anything other than loyal yeah. to his job and yeah. his duty yeah. and his country you know and even like when einstein like confronts him after that particularly brutal interrogation scene he's like well why don't you just tell them to go to hell and oppenheimer's like because damn it i happen to love this country mm -hmm. yeah right and so like it portrays his like his communism even wasn't necessarily like whether it was misguided or not, was not an intent to, like, overthrow... Like, it was because he liked the country and didn't like what he was seeing and, like, wanted to... Like, you know what I mean? Like, he it shows him yeah. as politically driven as far as, like, someone who still wanted to advance the idea of, you know, the country. And at one point in his life, he thought it was through communism, and then he decided it wasn't, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Whereas, like, I think most movies would be like, he, he was or he wasn't, right? And, mm -hmm. like, I mean, he was, but... but um he wasn't just that, right? Like yeah. his politics right. did go beyond that. And I think most people's do, but like, it's rare you see that in a film, right? Cause like, mm -hmm. especially when like you throw around a word like communist, um, it's easy to be like, oh, well he's one of them, mm -hmm. right? But it's like, well, yeah. okay, yeah, he did associate with these things. And like, for all intents and purposes, like, I don't care. I'm going to call him a communist. He was a communist at one point in his life. He still got the job done, right? Like yeah. no one, no one denied that. Right. And no one thought that he was operating with anything like any nefarious intentions or like feeding, you know, intelligence to the Soviets at all. No one ever thought that. Right. And like the book also makes that clear of like no one and, like, yeah, the portrait, the book paints is of a man who was a communist mm -hmm. and then wasn't, but also like through all of that, did it because he thought it was in the best interest of his country rather than like trying to bring Russia to here. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. right. Um, and they so take that I home, think that like with everybody who testifies on his behalf in a positive way, like almost verbatim, mm -hmm. like what you're saying, they're like, I, I mean, yeah. Matt Damon's was probably the most succinct of it where it's like, yeah, I, I wouldn't yeah. grant him. I don't trust him with this, but like, I believe he fully supports America. And that's pretty much what everybody says when they go up is that, I mean, even Teller yeah. is like, I have no doubts that he is fully for America, but yeah. So, yeah. 
Oh, uh, I wanted to, to point out one thing too. MJ, you were talking earlier about how this movie's pretty much like a definitive version of the Manhattan Project, and mm-hmm. um, and I agree. I don't, I don't think you really need another movie. It it does a better job of being about that subject than, and also you know being a generalized look at Oppenheimer's life than Dunkirk did of being about Dunkirk. In my opinion, mm-hmm. um, yeah. D- yeah, Dunkirk. <laughs> uh, I don't think he captured like I don't want to say the spectacle, but like the scope mm. of, of that conflict yeah, or, that, uh, or the mission or anything like that. It, like, I know he had like hundreds of extras, but man, that movie does not feel like a very big movie to me at all. And, and yeah. like the, the civilian force that, that shows up on the boats and, and everything, it does not feel appropriate to the scale of that. And mm. um, this, this does a much better job of being like the definitive take on something for, right. you know, for the title it has, you know, in comparison to Dunkirk. So once again, it's Nolan improving upon um, himself and correcting maybe like a flaw in terms of being like the take on a subject matter. Right. Go around. Well, and also like to sort of wrap that up into what I was saying about the politics of the film is that like it, you know, communism as a subject is real touchy for a lot of people in a lot of different ways. And, like, to thread the needle on that is kind of amazing, right? It's sort of like Spielberg making the Indiana Jones movies about, like, largely hyper-religious artifacts and not pissing anyone off. Mm. You know, where it's like, hey, this is a movie that de- deals with, like, characters who are were real-life communists in America in the 40s and 50s. But, like, it, it, like, it doesn't make them enemies necessarily, but, like, it doesn't... Mm. Like, it doesn't take a stance on it either way, but not in a wishy-washy way, if that makes sense. No, it right. totally right. does. Because mm-hmm. a lot yeah, of the McCarthy... It throws a needle. Yeah, a lot of, like, movies that deal with, like, McCarthyism and stuff, it, like, it feels, <laughs> A, because they're usually done from people who are very left-leaning, and so it just feels right. like, see, this is what rampant conservatism, or, like, conservatism leads to, is just they're going to think anybody who's a leftist is, like, communist and bad. And, like, it's very easy to be, um, like, one side of the spectrum or the other, and this did kind of thread it, where it's like, yeah, that's what he was, but he was still American, without it being completely demonizing of the fact that there was some concern for threat of communism. Like, it, it just handled all sides, I think, very well. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, in, in an age where we're having fights about every movie in terms of its political sure. implications, mm-hmm. the fact that this yeah. movie really didn't provoke any of that shows that they threaded the needle. Yeah. yeah. While also dealing yeah. with it more head on than most movies. Yeah. <laughs> like, yes. like throwing yeah. away, throwing around very hot button words and issues. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Like, you know, and like, I do think that like, I, as far as like a political ideology that the film ascribes to, like, I do think it is pro nuclear disarmament. Oh, sure. Um, But like, I think that's about as far as it goes, right? Like, Mm. I don't think like it is not interested in debating the tenets of communism versus not that, right? right. Like it is just presenting yeah. that as like, these are the characters, like we right. have this to talk a, about. This is a thing that happened. Right. It's yeah. like a humanist yeah. like, these... take on it rather than a political one, rather than like the left is right and the right is wrong about this. It's like, this is just a humanist take mm-hmm. on why I'm, you know, against nuclear weapons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. right. While still being well, very and I think historically also... accurate. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I mean, also I, I do think it is like, it is an examination of like, power in certain ways and like you know i don't think it's anti having people in power but it's just like okay how when you are wielding power how do you do it responsibly in what way do you do that responsibly Mm -hmm. in what way do you um 
take on the tasks asked of you that you might be on the fence about? In what way do you thread that needle? How, like, what does it say about, what does Oppenheimer's story say to you, right? And mm-hmm. I think that's the thematic puzzle box of it, right? right. It's like, and who should be I entrusted think, with power? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, you know, I, I think that it threads, the, like, ultimately, like, if the film itself is making a statement, it's that, like, Oppenheimer wielded his power the best he could, right and like the outcome was maybe a little scary like Mm -hmm. or a lot scary if you really think about it and strauss didn't right like strauss was strauss was strauss wielded his power for the pursuit of power oppenheimer Mm -hmm. wielded his power for the pursuit of discovery yeah yeah it just so happens that the discovery he made was maybe one that should have been left in the box according to Mm -hmm. oppenheimer himself right Mm -hmm. um but like is that is that oppenheimer's fault Right, exactly. Because I mean, the whole thing behind it is like, if it wasn't him, who was it going to be? Was exactly. It, you know, was it going to be yeah. Nazi scientist or Russian scientist eventually? And it's yeah, it was like an evil yeah. that was probably going to happen at some point. And again, it, that again, the moral quandary of what does this mean to you? Does that mean that we do the evil because somebody more evil might do that evil? It's mm-hmm. it's yeah, right, it's very right. yeah. you know thought provoking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that like it's great to have a film that made almost a billion dollars that leaves you thinking about those ideas. Right. Like it's very hopeful for me of like, Oh, like that's cool that like people were able to, cause like, and like responded to that. Yeah. People responded to it. Well, and like, yeah, it did get the, it did get the Barbenheimer lift. Right. Of like, Mm, I think a lot of people went to see Oppenheimer because of the memes of Bar. Like that. It was like, there was a lot of crossover in audience for, Oppenheimer because of Barbie, but there's also a lot of crossover in yeah. audience for Barbie because of Oppenheimer, right? Like mm-hmm. it was, it became the meme to where like people who maybe wouldn't seek out a movie like Oppenheimer or a movie like Barbie, like were like, yeah, I'll go do that. Like that seems like something that everyone else is doing. And like it's, it's a weird like positive jumping off a bridge <laughs> thing, right? Mm-hmm. Peer, type of peer pressure mm-hmm. where it's like, oh yeah, that seems like a fun thing to do with my time. Like, you know, I'll go see this movie that I do want to see. And then while I'm there, I'll go see something maybe a little outside my comfort zone. And like, maybe I'll like that too. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. And like, I think that's a net positive. Oh yeah. No matter mm. like for people in their consumption of art. <laughs> like, yes. I think yeah, that yeah. that's a, that's a good thing that people should do more often. Yeah. No. Yeah. To, to camp out on this point for one second, it, it was, a pleasant surprise that a movie like this did well and mm-hmm. i think it bodes well for despite a lot of bad things happening at the cinema and a lot of movies yeah. bombing um in general a lot of those movies were crappy anyway so i don't feel too guilty about it but it does right. go and show that there is an appetite for this kind of film and mm-hmm. you know I, I think you know i guess napoleon is kind of bombing now that's because of bad word of mouth um I think yeah it's because it's not as good as this movie <laughs> right right and, and so you know it goes and shows that it's maybe not necessarily you know the serious subject matter um it's people are receptive to this you just kind of make a good version of it yeah um, yeah. yeah so you know hopefully there are better <laughs> stories to be told in better ways by better directors you know we'll see but right you know well, I, I was about to go and give up hope on cinemas mm. <laughs> um after the last several years and it's good to see like to be pleasantly surprised that oh people do respond to this stuff it just has to be done in a good way yeah mm-hmm. yeah well and even even something like like to camp out on the barbenheimer of it all like even something like barbie which like i thought was like 
pretty good. Yeah. Um, it still has very good performances in it. Like mm-hmm. both Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling are great in it. And like, it's well made, right? Like the sets, yeah, the sets oh, are yeah. incredible sets in that movie. Like yeah. as if you're a production design nerd or a costuming nerd, oh my gosh, it's gotta mm-hmm. be, you know, hog heaven for you. And so it's cool to see that like, y- you know, and like, I, Corey, you said I think Barbie like bit off more than it could chew, yeah. Um, thematically, but it swung for the fences, right? Like it yes. took a risk. Yep, Whereas, which like, I appreciate right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like it, t- it mm-hmm. was like I'm gonna plant my flag in an idea, right? Rather than just like here's something everyone wants, and then yep. no one likes <laughs> it because it's so bland. Mm-hmm. You know, like it took a stance, right? Like it did decide to like I'm gonna do this with this idea. And like it, sometimes it paid off, sometimes it didn't, but it still swung and then it made money because of the swing. And like, you know, uh, Killers of the Fire Moon, a three and a half hour movie Mm -hmm. made $154.3 million and it was only like really widely distributed for like two, three weeks, Mm -hmm. right? Like, great. Uh, Godzilla minus one, which I think is also a very thoughtful blockbuster. Um, it, it opened third this weekend, right? Second, um, second. It opened second? I think so, yeah. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah. like, that's that would be subtitled, right? Like, that's a, mm-hmm. that's a foreign film that yeah. opened second that is, like, the 33rd entry in this storied franchise. And people still showed up for it, you know, in a way they haven't. And it's the first time, I think, it's the first time Toho has self-distributed something in America. Mm-hmm. Um, the only like production company card at the beginning of the movie is just the Toho one, mm-hmm. which like blew my mind. I didn't know that, but when it happened, I was like, Oh my God, I was like, they're distributing this here too. That's wild. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, uh, that is a, like one, a wonderful companion piece to this movie. Sure. Um, and like we bizarre synergy there <laughs> and two, like it is a Godzilla movie, but like, if you took Godzilla out of the movie, it'd still be probably pretty good. (laughs) Like it'd be a pretty good drama. Like the characters Mm -hmm. are worth spending time with. And like, it's cool to see blockbuster filmmaking that feels that way again. Right. And it's Mm -hmm. weird to me, like obviously because Godzilla minus one has Godzilla in it, there has to be some sort of effects driven spectacle and action set pieces and stuff. And those are by and large, dope as hell Um, (laughs) but uh, but they also are in service of the film's themes and it's very Mm -hmm. strange to me that like i can talk about godzilla minus one as this piece of blockbuster like essentially popcorn filmmaking um that has something on its mind yep very thoughtful very thoughtful but also oppenheimer which is clearly very thoughtful and first and foremost a drama and three hours of nothing but people talking in a room that yeah. received <laughs> the same treatment as most blockbusters do, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it yeah. is wild to me that, like, people accepted Oppenheimer the same way they accepted Top Gun Maverick, mm-hmm. right? Because, like, Top Gun Maverick has a ton of spectacle on it. Oppenheimer mm-hmm. does not. And, like, yeah. it was still filmed and released in IMAX, which, like, it didn't need to be <laughs> like there, yeah. it, there's no reason like he didn't have to do that that's very funny that he did that um but it looks great and it sounds mm-hmm. great and it did it all on a budget of a hundred million dollars yeah well and the funny thing about godzilla going off of that is that here's this kind of spectacle based 
movie in a way, mm. right? And it was made for $15 million. Crazy. And it awesome. It looks right. so good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, you know, so here's this movie that actually costs less than most big budget movies, like mm. 10 times less, right? Yeah. And, and, it, and it still looks good. Um, yeah. Yeah. Godzilla Minus One is the superior World War II atomic bomb movie. But anyway, uh, <laughs> I'm okay. joking. It's, but, well, but it's also not. It's, like, it's, oh. it's definitely the best. Yeah, it did open number two. You're right. Yeah. Um, oh, no, it um, opened number three. Oh, okay. Uh, it was uh, Beyonce, Hunger Games, Godzilla. Still. Oh, okay. That's Still. why Pretty it good. outgrossed Trolls 3 and a Disney movie. Dang. Yeah. There you that's go. That's wild. So, yeah. Um, no, that, but yeah, awesome. I mean, yeah, it is definitely the superior version of Dunkirk. Um, that's for sure. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. That makes me happy, you know, and, and I think. Um, hopefully it's a sign that audiences you know are in the mood for something thoughtful that's appropriately budgeted um too yes. as well yeah mm-hmm. and, um that, that like you don't need to make blockbusters that have nothing to say like you can mm-hmm. you can say something with it and, mm-hmm. and you know like um, i'm not talking about woke shit i'm talking about like you actually have like a theme about heroism or sacrifice right. or right. you know yeah. whatever yeah. you know and or what does it mean to create like something powerful and destructive and mm-hmm. who should be entrusted with it like come on like our movies our blockbuster movies can be entertaining and still say something it's in fact in fact i guarantee you producers if you go make a movie that has something that has that's got something to say and it resonates with people it will do better like like yes a a mindless movie will make a certain amount of money yes a crowd pleaser will make a certain amount of money but if your movie resonates with some sort of like human emotion Mm -hmm. or feeling or idea then it's going to make even more money because then you're going to it's going to stick with you you're going to watch it again you're going to tell your friends about it yeah i mean Um, look at what happened with parasite right like yeah yeah exactly you know that's something that had something to say about like the human condition Mm -hmm. and right and you know like you you told other people about it um Mm -hmm. and you're gonna make more money as a result of it and there was still a little bit of spectacle in that movie right because like that Mm -hmm. that halfway that midway reveal in parasite everyone was like you got to see it like going blind like yeah um, right you know, and like it also had like good marketing where it was like it looked like a horror movie, and then people saw it and they're like, "Well, it's not really a horror movie, but like it's pretty weird," you know. Yeah, yeah. And like it's it was creepy just, like, in a different way. Yeah, yeah, and there was like it was such an oddity that like people were like, "You got it. You should check this out. Like it's fucking wild," you know. Mm-hmm. And like you know, this is obviously a much more straightforward film than, than Parasite. Like Parasite's like yeah. pretty labyrinthine and like weird, um, but like or offbeat, I should say. And this is like a very like this is a one of the best movies of 1996 too. You know, like mm. this movie could have been made yesterday, and it could have been made 30 years ago. And um, it that idea is good. Also, like I don't know, Steven Spielberg's been doing a pretty good job of making thoughtful blockbusters forever mm-hmm. yeah right. you know yeah. like that that man has like paid that's paid off for that man in spades so right. like just do that because it seems and, to work and on top of all of that 
Think about how the fact there's no action scene in this. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. probably more riveting than any given Marvel yeah. slop. You know oh what I mean? my yes. gosh! Yeah, like, like yes. you, you, you can watch. You can watch. You know, hours of CG characters punching the shit out of each other, but none of it matters. <laughs> you know? Exactly. And, mm-hmm. Like, like because you because you know already who's gonna win, who's gonna lose, and then like all these punches are just empty calories and filler until the movie arbitrarily decides. Okay, this is the punch that ends the fight between these mm. superheroes. Yeah. You know, and and this the battle of wits is just as exciting <laughs> as, and, as the flurry of punches if not yeah. more so and it's crazy mike because it's like we're riveted by this and we're like what's going to happen next it's like it's history so we like mm. we know what happens yeah we know it's like yeah even, it's even right. more of a testament to the film it's like that i'm so engrossed and i care about it and it like it has stakes yeah, well, and and that is isn't that the final indictment of like spoiler culture and, and this idea of like oh man spoilers bro like like don't tell yeah. me anything that happens right, or whatever because right. like because because the surprise is the most important part of things. I mean, yeah. You can watch a historical movie and you still give a shit about what's going on even yes. when you know what's going to happen because <laughs> yeah, it's well that's a great made. Point. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the thing. Is like this is the second highest grossing R-rated movie of all time. Hmm wild right especially yeah. if you look at the top 10 it is uh joker oppenheimer deadpool 2 deadpool 1 the matrix reloaded it something called detective chinatown 3 oh that's my favorite movie um yeah <laughs> uh logan uh the passion of the christ and the hangover part 2 and like as much as the passion of the christ is a drama there is a lot of spectacle around it too that is not why people went to see that film yeah i yeah. hope um but uh you know and there is sort of a built-in audience for it mm-hmm. as well um but that is the only outlier on there besides oppenheimer the rest are action movies or horror movies mm-hmm. right like the or i guess the hangover part two is like a comedy but you know, there's still spectacle to that, right? Of like, what right. hijinks are they gonna get up to, right? Um, yeah. So, like, yeah, in that top ten list, like, there are only two kind of outliers there, and it is wild to me that Oppenheimer is one of them because, like, I remember seeing that movie and being like, "That was great." I can't believe I just saw this movie in an audience that like went with it because yeah. it mm-hmm. like it asks a lot of its mm-hmm. viewers, and like, yep. people seem to have met it there. Yeah. Which is like, are we waking up? Are we like shaking off the 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 the, the sleep from our eyes and like years of slumber? Yes. Yeah. yeah like <laughs> it it feel it feels like it to me. I hope so, right? And like that's been the theme since we've come back. I think mm-hmm. um, of like, hey, like yeah, this year was like a it was like if, to put it in sports terms, it was Wake a rebuilding year, right? Because yeah. Yeah. Um, like yeah, but you, the good you, stuff has been really good this year. Mm-hmm. I think. But, but you know what you need to do is like it needs to be followed up by more good stuff you know like yeah. i feel like this is like, like the, the, the beginning of like a fire you know it's like like embers yeah. right mm-hmm. now and, mm-hmm. and now it's like okay it's it's got to catch something and spread and you know obviously the strikes and all that happen so a lot of right. movies are going to get spaced out and who knows if any of them are going to be good i mean i don't know if you just saw the godzilla x kong trailer but mm-hmm. um you know i'd, I'd it's not carrying on the, the mood and feeling of Godzilla minus one. Let me tell you it's that. It's not, but I'm going to be there day one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's definitely going for something else there. Um, yeah, you know, um, yeah. And, and like, fine, I think I that the thing is, is like, 
it's the it's sort of like what Scorsese was saying around Killers of the Flower Moon, where he's like, there's room for both. Yeah. Right? Yeah, like yeah, right. both of them can exist. It's just that one is taking up way more room than the other right, right now. And mm-hmm. like I'd like to yeah. see that balance out a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And like I don't know. I do like yes, I agree with you in that like this year it's been more consistent, but I think last year was the like the the sort of match being lit actually, right? This is mm. this year is the embers catching fire. Last year was the match being lit with Top Gun Maverick. Mm. Right? Yeah. Like Top Gun Maverick is a very very well executed blockbuster movie that everyone saw Mm -hmm. and it was rad it was great i really like that movie a lot um but then this year like that sort of match that was lit by top gun maverick got like the yeah got like the 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 embers burning on oppenheimer and even barbie Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. i would argue even like i really like that ninja turtles movie a lot right like and Mm -hmm. like you know for as much as i didn't like that spider-man movie like that was at least artfully made you know what I mean? Yes. Like, yeah, like yeah. the 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 artistry behind the animation is like incredible, right? I'm like, yes, right. this yes. is the most hype I've heard it for a, a Miyazaki movie, like in public. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So like, we have that coming down the line and stuff, and like, it looks like Wonka and Aquaman are set to bomb, which good, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And, yeah. and so like, it does feel like weirdly hopeful. I don't really know what the slate looks like next next year, but like, I kind of hope. I kind of hope that ISS movie we were talking about off mic is a, is a little bit of hit if it's good enough because it looks great, you know? And like, it would be cool to see a movie that's just like, once again, people in space in a room talking. Um, Yeah. Dune two, bro. Going to carry on the thoughtful streak. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm sure there's a certain section of the audience that is arguing that Dune one is the, the one that lit the match, but they're wrong. Um, Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, and like, yeah, Dune 2, like, I mean, here's the thing, like, as much as Dune's not for me, I'd rather people go see Dune 2 (laughs) than, you know, Marvel 70,000, you know? Correct. So, I guess, like, it does have its its place, I guess, but... (laughs) Yes, yeah, I agree with you. I feel the same way. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Do you guys have anything else to say about Oppenheimer? Uh, yeah, I don't know how I feel about the man, but no, the, 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 movie, <laughs> the, movie, the, movie, uh, the movie is uh, pretty good. Um, <laughs> definitely one of the best movies of the year. So go check it out if you haven't seen it. Yeah, I think it's definitely worth your time. Like having freshly seen it for the first time yesterday, like mm-hmm. um, it it's like all the stuff we've said. It brings a lot to the table. It swings big. It's not the same generic Marvel, Star Wars, mm-hmm. every other mm-hmm. like major studio crap mm-hmm. that has been produced for the last couple of years. And yeah, like it, it, it is just really refreshing mm-hmm. to have a film that actually cares where everybody showed up. They brought their A game and like it asks something of its audience and it like challenges you. Like when you get done with the movie, like there very much is something to process. Like, yeah, it's like mm-hmm. I watched. I watched people at the top of their craft in the directing, the editing, the performances were mm-hmm. incredible. Like, you know, we didn't really talk about it, but I thought the film was shot super well. Super well. Uh, the, Wait, sound, my the, sound, the sound mm-hmm. design. Yeah. So like. Score is good. Yep. Yeah. Yep. 
all, oh, all these well, things. Well, like we barely and, touched and on them, but like yes, you can hear the dialogue in the Nolan film. Yeah, you can hear the dialogue in the Nolan film. Like like you know how we were talking about like how like each of his movies is like a response to the criticism of like some other movie. Like he finally listened to that response. That yes, and he, which is and he, like, crazy because the right la- thing. yeah, the last time I heard him talk about it, he was digging his heels in on it. He was so dismissive. Yeah, like yeah. with Tenet, yeah, those interviews he was doing, and yeah. yeah, where he was like, people don't need to hear the dialogue, and it's like, oh no, you do. Like, yeah, 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 like, yeah, like, you, like, yeah you do. Yeah, shut up, man. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's more yeah. immersive. It's more immersive this way. It's not immersive if I don't know what is going on. Yeah, yeah especially when yeah. your shit's this complicated. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. Come on, man. Oh god. Yeah, especially when you're familiar with all of it as a director. You know, you know right. the dialogue. And the writing. Yeah. 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 And, and then for you to go and be like, no person who like doesn't know the dialogue <laughs> right. from Adam, like you don't get that benefit. Like, yeah. so I'm going to try to explain these crazy ass concepts to you in <laughs> yeah. Tenet. <laughs> yeah. Temporal anyway. time pincher. Yeah. yeah or temporal pincher maneuver. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. All that to say, this film is awesome. Definitely worth your time. I hope we get more films like this. I hope Nolan has learned something from this film. Mm-hmm. I hope he actually takes yeah. the reception from this and is like, maybe I should go back to doing this. Like all the stuff we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I this is his sweet spot. And I'd love to see him refine this and give us like version 2.0. Yeah, uh, I agree with you guys. I, I would say final thoughts for me are... Oppenheimer, like, uh, on its, you know, very basis level, has, like, a lot going against it for why people might not want to go see it. It's a biopic, which are, you know, historically just not super great films always. It's not super high art, um, even though sometimes they're touted as being such. It's, you know, three hours, which is super long. And I know we've said almost ad nauseum, like, it's just people talking in a room, which, you know, might not sound like the most interesting thing. So I would challenge anybody who hasn't seen it and has let that deter them, like, just watch it uh because like you guys have been saying it's so different than what we're normally getting in theaters in such a good way in such a beautiful way where if you're just telling a good human story and telling it in a good way like it will create a good film like shocker and so yeah if you haven't seen it definitely go see it even if it doesn't seem like it'd be your cup of tea it's very thought-provoking and at the very least even if you don't care to be have your thoughts provoked it's great to watch great performances great editing so yeah just go see it yeah it's like that's the thing right is like it it sounds on paper like cinematic vegetables right right um and like it is good for you i do think this is a movie that's gonna be good for you i think it's a movie that everyone should see and i do think that it's good for you but i don't think the movie that's good for you has to be boring right yeah. like we need to really get yeah. away from that right like like i said like spielberg has made plenty of movies that are good for you that are also some of the most entertaining movies ever made mm-hmm. right um like you you can't have both i think you know i think in a certain way like the dark knight is good for you and like mm-hmm. uh, yeah th- mm-hmm. th- that movie's rad like it's just cool too right um and there's also like movies that it pairs well with this year right like godzilla minus one which like i think is also good for you but also has great spectacle there is a there is a, a an aquatic sequence in this movie that is the coolest thing i've seen in a movie all year um and in Godzilla minus one and oh, like, I'm so confused. I was like, it, no, like, yeah, there's, there's, yeah, die? there's a scene, there's a scene with Godzilla chasing a boat. That's like one of the coolest things I've seen all year. And it's so, it's so great, but it's also like a thoughtful film and like that can pair well with this as well. Um, a movie I talked about on our return episode, the Kane mutiny court martial is also just an hour and a half of people in rooms talking, but it's compelling in the same way that that, 
three hours of people in a room talking are in this, right? If you yeah. saw this movie and you were like, people in rooms talking, this is doing it for me right now, please seek out the K-Mutiny Court Martial because I think, no, I one, I want people to talk to about it. It's so good <laughs> and I'm the only person I know who's seen it. Um, also, uh... Hey, Jason Clark, whatever you're doing nowadays, keep doing that because he's in Oppenheimer and K-Mutiny Court Martial and he's really good in both of those movies and I don't think he's a good actor in the slightest. (laughs) (laughs) He's definitely a lot better in this than I've seen anything recently. Yeah, whatever. Stop doing whatever those Terminator pictures are and like (laughs) do this. Also, shout out Kenneth Branagh for still doing a weird accent. I appreciate the commitment to that bit. (laughs) And also, Rami Malek, good for you for looking weird sometimes, I guess. He's like, Um, got like a lemon in his mouth. Like, his mouth is always puckered and weird. It's uh, whatever. Yeah, but then the top half of his face looks like he's a cartoon wolf that just saw a sexy lady. Yeah, okay, I was going to say, like, he looks perpetually surprised, that. but I like that, I like that analogy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the top half of his face is just very awooga, and then the bottom half is very, like, I just ate a lemon. Yeah, that's strange, man. <laughs> yep, what a oh, bizarre <laughs> comment in this song. Yeah, good in this, yeah, yeah, he's, uh, he's actually really good in the one scene of dialogue he has. He's a little weird when he's just like getting like you said papers shoved in his face like he's just like the way he reacts his physicality is very very yeah. strange but then when he actually has like stuff to say he like delivers it with enough yeah. gravitas where you're like oh wow you're not being a psycho like yeah. good mm-hmm. for you mm-hmm. um yeah uh well, support movies like oppenheimer man like it's yes. it's worth yes. it i 100%. think yes like it's it's worth the time and like it does look great like you're not gonna i don't think you're gonna be bored um no. The only other option I would say, like the other thing I would say is like try to watch a distraction free because there is a lot happening and like mm-hmm. yeah, it's just gonna don't be on you. your phone yeah don't be on your phone you're gonna get lost you won't you want know. to yeah. like I normally like, yeah. have that inclination I I do get bored I wasn't bored at all it did like Corey I think you said this it felt like three hours but it was compelling the entire time yeah so it was yeah and what I will say is like the first time like, the, the, when I watched it today I've definitely felt the three hours but when mm. I first saw it I did not and I saw it after Barbie so that was my second movie of like I mm. did the yeah, Barbenheimer wow. and like I I felt like the movie was over in two hours like and I you guys know me I've never said that ever right mm-hmm. I mean even one of my other top five movies of the year Killers of the Flower Moon I felt every second of that runtime oh, yeah. and it's a half an hour longer I still think it's great mm-hmm. but like the people who say that movie does not feel like three and a half hours are lying. Are lying. lying the people who say that this doesn't feel like three, I don't think are because I felt that way and I never feel that way about a movie that's this mm. long. Um, I was just so like riveted the whole time. Yeah. Um, and like, it's super well written. Like there's like scenes of people talking back and forth that like, Mike, you said play like flurries of punches. Like people, there's like good witticisms in there for as much as we were harping on the like stating of the themes. There's like, yeah. people have good comebacks in here, right? We're like, yeah. it felt very um, Sorkin-y almost at times. Yeah, but good. And, uh, it, oh, oh. <laughs> and, <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> but like, there's a scene where, where Groves is talking to, um, Oppenheimer and Oppenheimer's like, well, we're doing this. And Groves is like, I don't like it. And he's like, you don't like anything enough for that to be a good like test. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, yeah that's, a, okay. that's a great that's comeback for someone who's like, it's, and it's funny too, cause it paints them both as two sides of the same coin. Like they're both extremely full of themselves, but because yeah. of that, they're able to also like recognize when the other person has them. You know what I mean? Where it's like, okay, yeah, well, 
you're the you're the military version of me so you do got me there and it's like oh you're the science version of me so you do got me there mm-hmm. um and like that juxtaposition is great matt damon's very good in this movie um yes. yeah he, he is he does not it is a character that very much could have ended up in the like yelly military guy mm-hmm. arena and it doesn't yep and like honestly i was kind of like oh yeah matt damon can act too because like I don't remember the last time I liked him that much in a movie. Um, but yeah, it's, it's great. Uh, go see it. Go. You can rent it at home now. It's, it's awesome. I picked up the 4k cause it was only 12 bucks more than the rental and I'm going to watch it again. I also wanted the uncompressed sound. Um, yeah. Great movie. Uh, go see it. We'll be back in two weeks to talk about when Harry met Sally, we're doing a, yeah. a, a holiday adjacent yeah. retrospective. Uh, First time watch for Mike. Is that first time watch for you, Corey? What? Mike, you've never seen this movie? Nope. What? Exactly. Yeah. Wow, that's what this is gonna be super interesting. I know, I'm so excited. Yeah, I'm really interested to see what a a first time viewing. Wow. Yeah. Is it not your first time seeing it, Corey? No, I've seen it like plenty of times. Nice. I've only seen it once, so Oh. Um No, like we own it. Five thousand times. Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't see it until lockdown. So, um, yep. Anyway, two great movies, but very different. Uh, That'll be our holiday episode because it's like New Year's Eve adjacent. Um, Yeah. uh, Until next time, we are become the bad guys. (laughs) (laughs) 